You're listening to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where we examine what is and isn't working in online marketing. Now, please welcome your host, online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay. Thank you for joining me today. I hope the sun is shining where you're at. So I'm in Portland. So the sun, we get sun breaks. If you guys haven't heard of that, that's, you know, it's kind of sad. It's the first time I ever heard the word sun break. But anyway, on to the interview. So my interview today is with Mr. Vladimir Lokshin. So he is the CEO at Darwin Apps and now the founding CEO at Turtle.ai. So this interview is really cool because we talk a little bit about um, doing some online marketing before you actually have a product and how that works out. We also talk a little bit about hiring overseas contractors to do some of your development work and some pitfalls and some and some lessons learned in hiring overseas contractors. So it's a pretty great interview. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So before I dive into that... Make sure you join us over on the Traffic and Leads membership group. $49, I hold your hand through all things Traffic and Leads. Trafficandleadsmembership.com, you can find out more there. One of the questions that was asked in the group was, hey, one click, what is a landing page and do I need them? So I think it's a common it's a common question for any business owner is, what is a landing page? I have a website, is that a landing page? Typically, no, your cornerstone website is not a landing page. It's a cornerstone website, which we all need. And that that is essentially, it has like your home and your about us and your contact us and all of your services are all on this cornerstone website. And yes, every company needs that. But when does a landing page come into play? If you go look at your Google Analytics or if you're gonna run a paid traffic campaign, you don't wanna send people to just your homepage because they might get lost. So is what you're gonna wanna do is create a landing page. So I'm just gonna give you an example. One of my customers is a uh, naturopathic doctor up in Canada. We went and looked at her Google Analytics and she was getting a ton of traffic every single day to a blog post she wrote about estrogen deficiency. And so people would go, you know, maybe like 500 people a day were coming to this blog post. So what did we do? We turned that blog post into a landing page. So we knew what kind of people were coming to that. They were people on Google searching for estrogen deficiency. And so what did we do? We created an opt-in that basically said, hey, you are wanting to know about estrogen deficiency. Why don't you download my ultimate estrogen deficiency guidebook? Because we knew that they would be interested in that. And so we made this beautiful landing page all about estrogen deficiency. We kind of got rid of all of her other menu items and services, and it was all about out, hey, this is estrogen deficiency. Here's a nice article about it and an opt-in. So there was one call to action on this page. It asked them to opt-in. We knew what kind of traffic was coming there. And there was like just one thing for people to do. So that was her estrogen deficiency landing page. If we were running some paid traffic from maybe Facebook or Google AdWords, we would run them to this page and not just her homepage because when people are coming to the page, we wanna give them what they're looking for. So a customer, uh, a website owner or a business might have 50 or 60 or 70 or more landing pages, just really specific pages that speak to the people who are coming. 
So these estrogen deficiency people, they didn't really care about supplements or weight loss naturally or anything like that. They were just super focused on estrogen deficiency and we served that up in a very, very specific landing page. So hopefully that answers your question is, do I need a landing page? Yes, if you're running some paid traffic or you're get one of your pages on your website gets a lot of traffic, then I would consider focusing on it as a landing page. But like, do you just need one to say that you have one? No, no. Like you, this landing pages are pages with a plan. Let's just call them that, pages with a plan. That is a landing page. And uh, hopefully that helps the rest of you too. It helped uh, my member of the trafficandleadsmembership.com program. Here we go, let's dive into this interview and uh, learn a little bit about hiring our work overseas. Hey, Vladimir, welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. We're so glad to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Sure. So when we were chatting a second ago in the pre-interview, you mentioned that you have a couple of campaigns you're going you're gonna to share with us. The first one being, I want to know some nitty gritty details about a successful marketing campaign that you had. So tell us about the company you were working for or that you had created at the time. I know you're a company creator right? So yeah. yeah, I'll just turn it over to you. Tell us something, tell us a re- about a really successful campaign. Okay. So uh, the successful campaign came out of my first company, which was Darwin Apps. Darwin Apps is a, is a product development shop that has used a lot of the profits to build our own products. Um, and one of those is a product called LaunchSky um, that you can see at launchsky.com. It's like Kickstarter, but instead of money, you give people social support and uh, feedback in terms of developing their early ideas. It started off with this concept of like like starter, so literally giving somebody feedback with likes instead of dollars um, for really really early stage ideas. We launched it in two thousand and late two thousand twelve, and in the first week we got thirty five hundred signups. Wow! Yeah. How, that, that wow. Was, how did you get? How did that happen? So ironically, we didn't build the real product. I stayed up late one night and I uh, put together wireframes of what the product would look like, like in a real thing. And then, I mean, I don't feel amazing about it, but we totally faked the product actually existing. So if you go on launchsky.com now and you see like all those boxes of pitches, it looked very much so like that site, except it was just a picture of the pitches uh, with the ability to hover over all of them. And then as soon as you hovered over any of them, you got to see the detail card. And then to see any more, you had to sign up. We weren't really telling people that there wasn't a real product yet, that they were signing up for a product that was to be launched. Uh, But the experience felt very much so like a real product. So I think it was two things. One was making it look very much so like people were experiencing the real product. And two, we uh, we had good timing with Hacker News. So news.ycombinator.com. It's Y Combinator's forums and and blog site, uh, or not blog site, like uh, people post links and then give feedback on it. It's not so much a blog. And we, we happened to make it to the first page of, of Y Combinator's site. It stayed at the top of the page for like a full day. And I think like 80% of the traffic came from there. Then the guy that ran launch.co and launch conference ended up tweeting or writing something about us real quick. And it just kind of went from like 500 signups to 1,000 signups to 3,500 signups very, very quickly. 
That's really cool. So were you kicking yourself like, oh, I wish we would have like really built this product out? Or do you feel like you lost anything by doing that? No, I think it was, I, I wish that every one of our marketing campaigns went this way. And I wish that I could mimic it again. Between building the fake product and, and having this like landing page that went up and the Hacker News combination, we got all those signups. And then we actually, so we captured all those leads. We put them together into a mailing list. We started asking them for feedback and we used that community to really develop the product to figure out. We used to charge 20 bucks per pitch. So we, we figured out how much we can actually charge per pitch and what makes sense. And then we launched the product like I think February of 2013. So it, it took us a few months, but we did end up launching the product to that crowd. We converted like a thousand out of the 3,500 signups into real users. And then today, so just to fast forward how, how well one good marketing campaign can go. The site gets absolutely zero development. We still get about three pitches per day. Dang. Like how much per pitch? Uh, what do you mean how much per pitch? Uh, you said earlier it was $20 oh, per pitch. Oh, we, we made it free. So we oh, uh, oh, it's free. Once once we stopped supporting it, we stopped taking money from people. Yeah. I mean, it definitely opened up. Like we at 20 bucks a pitch, we, we probably got about one pitch per day, which isn't like anything significant, but it's not nothing to, it was, it was the first like SaaS product that we really built. We knew how to build software. We knew how to get companies to pay us for building software, but we didn't know how, how to get somebody to keep paying us over and over again for the same thing that didn't actually cost us anything. Uh huh. So that's what Launch Sky became. And then for a while it was like, we started spending less energy on it. So um, partly because some, some of the co-founders of Darwin apps at the time went on to like one of them left to, for Google and is now one of the lead designers at Google and is doing awesome. One went to start his own consultancy and, and do his own consulting. And now he teaches people how to code and he's doing awesome. And we're still all great friends. But at the time, it was like a couple co-founders leave and you start focusing on how to make your revenue and not how to work on your side project. So it kind of got abandoned. And after it got abandoned, we stopped taking the 20 bucks. I would just give people refunds. So to me, if I, if I may... Was that like luck marketing? Like you were lucky you got on that first page and you were lucky that you got uh, that guy to tweet about you or like, what can we, what can we learn from this? Half luck, meaning it was really well timed to get on the top of Hacker News, but the fake site that looked like the real thing was very intentional. I mean, that was extremely methodical with every single click, every single interaction led you to sign up. It felt like you were experiencing the product. But at the end of the funnel, at the end of every single click interaction was a sign up. So take the full product, it like flipped over and it was like, hey, to see more, sign up. Morally speaking, I probably think that we should have been more explicit with your signing up for a product that will be launched. I don't think we would have gotten quite as many signups if we were so explicit about that. And that said, I, it worked. <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, it worked. Um, and I think the takeaway of make it feel like the real product and give people the full experience is one, a really strong test for, is this something that you should actually build before investing time into it? And two, it, it's a really easy way to get signups here. I mean, the flow of the product, like if you look at launchsky.com now, it was very much so like clicking on one of those items and how it gets you to sign up now to see the real thing. It is very much so a real product. So you can go on there, you can pitch, you can see real people's ideas. But at the time, it was basically an identical flow, ex except instead of investing hundreds or at the time, even thousands of hours into building the product, we invested into creating like three pages. It was a list of eight pitches, clicking into one of those, and then getting the, the email sign up right after that. And then we figured out what to do after getting all those signups. Fair enough. So yeah. it, when we were chatting before, like one of the things that I really liked about you that I found intriguing about you was you've started like 
a million companies, right? Five, maybe four or five. Two real companies. Um, well, real companies. <laughs> two real companies, meaning they get my undivided attention. Uh huh. Um, Launch Sky was a project that we started out of Darwin Apps, so it was a spin out. Because one of the original intentions of Darwin Apps was we we were able to get very great good engineers. We we have a great management and product management process, and it was a profitable business. And we didn't want to spend all of our time just building a consultancy. We wanted to take some of those profits and invest in something for the longer term. And our way of doing that was investing in our own products. So we used the same team, the same finances, the same kind of operation uh, to build our own internal products. And I think that actually made us a lot better of a shop. There's a lot of consulting shops out there. Very few of them can really think about the customer of the customer as deeply as a company that has actually built products for their own customers as well. Yeah. It knows the on the ground pain and glory of, of getting through it and getting those signups and getting a customer to complain and getting a customer to praise uh, what you're doing and kind of seeing all ends of the spectrum there. Um, so I think while it ate into our profits uh, a lot <laughs> to spend money on our own internal products, it was also completely invaluable in terms of teaching us how to build our own products and how to deal with our own customers and being able to recycle that knowledge for our own customers on the service side. So through Darwin as well. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And then, so out of Darwin apps, we, we have tried a few spin outs and the, the marketing campaign gone bad is another one of those spin ups that we can talk about. But I, I've actually moved from being CEO of Darwin apps to chairman of the board and other partners now run the business. Um, the business is doing better than it's ever done, which might sound ironic for somebody leaving the business. Um, but kind of in the same spirit of we wanted to build internal products to do something beyond a service business. It wasn't right to focus on both. It wasn't right to focus on building a consulting business and a startup at the same time with the same model and the same profits. You simply can't do two things best. Uh, so in January of 2016, I started spending more and more of my time on a new business uh, called Turtle that helps people get true on-demand software engineering. So it's for a different customer than Darwin in terms of they don't need managers and they don't need kind of the, the full agency experience that Darwin offers in a way that I think has done very well. Instead, these are people that are going directly to developers and they get something that looks like a to-do list, except they can take any to-do item and then send it off for somebody, for an engineer to work on and they get matched based on skill, availability, and budget. Let's talk a little bit about that product before we dive into sure. the you know the launch campaign that may have not worked so well for you. But so, what is the difference, say, between someone using Turtle versus do you call it Turtle.ai or just Turtle? Just Turtle. Okay, sorry. Um, the website's Turtle.ai, but yeah, it's Turtle. Okay, fair enough. Um, and like Upwork, of course, right? You knew I was going to ask that. Sure. Uh, of course, we get asked that one all the time. We get asked about Gigster a lot too. That's the kind of the up and comer, but let's cover uh -huh. Upwork first. So Upwork does have a large amount of freelancers, which you can find, but as a customer, if you're building software, it's on you to figure out who's good. And in right. three of five-star reviews, it's really, really hard to tell who's good. So the only way to really go on Upwork and find somebody good is to put out 10 test projects, have them budgeted to like 10 hours or something financially insignificant, go and run every one of those freelancers through a test project, and they see, then see, do they actually have the technical skill level, the project management ability, the communications ability? That's on you as a customer to do. And then after you've actually matched with them, then it's on you to figure out what kind of project management software do we use? Like what kind of issue tracking software? How are we going to track time? Do we use Upwork or do we use a third party? 
are we going to pay you through Upwork and we're going to keep you on here for forever? Or do we try to work directly in that kind of relationship? What Turtle is, is project management software too. So once the match actually happens, you work with your freelancer directly in the software. Freelancers are taught to create their subtasks of what they're doing next and exactly when a customer can expect that. So as a customer, say for example, you want to update your blog site and you have a budget of $1,000 to do it. You drop a thousand bucks into Turtle, at 50 bucks an hour, that gets you 20 hours to work with. You get to see every week what's been done and how that eats at your budget and what's coming next and exactly when you can expect it. And the entire UX of the product and how we train our freelancers will automatically train them through the documentation that you can access at help.turtle.ai um, all fulfills this kind of core idea of instead of a traditional freelancer or agency model, um, how can we incentivize both sides of the market to build software as efficiently as possible instead of just maxing out hours? Wow, that's really cool. So would you say that the developers on your platform are more qualified in general than the ones you'd find up on Upwork? Absolutely. We we send them through a very, we like to call it sophisticated, but it's actually really simple for us to put together. We, we have a few test projects that we actually set up through Turtle. So oh. it, it feels like a real customer project. It's capped at six hours. So we actually pay them for six hours of work. We see what, do they ask the right questions? Do they create the right subtasks? We call it a technical test. And I hope that no freelancers are listening to this because otherwise our tricks are you know all gone. But really we're testing for project management and communications ability. Which is a whole, yeah, that, th- those are the hard things to find on Upwork. Like those are geniuses everywhere. Opportunity is not. And even somebody being able to manage a calendar effectively is not that common outside of the US. I think great talent is readily available outside of the US. And companies are foolish if they're not looking in other places as well and think that the only place they can get it is the US. But communications and project management is still a hurdle. It's not an impossible hurdle. And the reason that we built Turtle is to make it a lot, lot easier for both sides of the market. Um, but it is still a hurdle today. And are, are, are most of the, of the developers on Turtle US-based? No. no. Okay. Most of them are uh, in Russia, actually. We're about okay. eight in Russia. Then we have some in other parts of Eastern Europe. We have some in South America as well, and then some in the U.S. and Canada. Um, our our model is basically to find small towns really close to high high end uh, universities, find a couple of freelancers there, get them on the platform, get them on a few projects, make sure that they're happy, make sure that it's a good fit for them, and then we get the rest of our freelancers through referrals. So do you have a harder time finding freelancers or customers use, to use your system? I mean, we're still a baby. We Got our first paying customer in November of last year, and knock on wood, we've doubled revenue every month since then. So it has grown pretty quickly. Uh, but we kind of overdid the freelancer side at first, probably based on our experiences too. We already had pretty strong, strong networks of freelancers. My co-founder also started a company very similar to Darwin Apps. So we already had a, a base. And then customers are customers are always hard to find. And when you're building something new, and you know, of course, we get questions like, how is this different than Upwork? And how is this different than Gigster? And until a friend comes around and tells you, You've got to use Turtle instead of Upwork or Gigster. You don't really believe it. So in our stage, the customer side is more difficult. I think it's easier than a lot of companies at our stage deal with because we've gotten a lot of our our work through referrals on both sides, so including the customer side. But it's still not the easiest sell in the world. And, you know, if we if it was the easiest sell in the world, you'd already know what Turtle was without talking to me. Yeah. Is it more expensive in general than Upwork? Does it seem more expensive? Because I think Upwork can get really expensive and you not know it, right? Because people are just kind of churning hours and you may be paying him five bucks an hour, but it's going to take him three hours. We're never going to get five bucks an hour. So we do set it at 50 bucks an hour. Okay. So 50 bucks an hour is what a customer pays for any kind of engineering. Okay. Um, that's less. That's much less than what an agency rate is. 
So the way that we qualify that is, hey, you're paying less, but we're expecting that you actually do a little bit of the management. The model is basically the customer does one third of the management, the freelancer does one third of the management, and then our software does one third of the management. I like it. I really like it. Okay. On to more online marketing now. <laughs> Tell me, you've had a, you've done plenty of marketing campaigns in your life. Tell me about a marketing campaign that maybe didn't go so well. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about this one as kind of like the lifeline of the company, because I think this is an important lesson for a lot of listeners um, and for myself. What I said earlier about LaunchSky, I was really happy that we marketed it before we built it because it was very, it didn't cost us much. We were able to validate the product. We were able to validate the need. And we had this base of 3,500 people that we could reach out to to ask questions as we were further developing the product. Let's fast forward to, I think it was late 2013. LaunchSky was sort of, I wouldn't say it was fizzling in terms of growth. It was fizzling in terms of founder interest because we had two co-founders leave for other opportunities at the time. And we wanted to work on something that you know had a shot at being much bigger than this. And we noticed that our biggest issue was the marketing ability and the outreach ability. So we actually hounded and harassed uh, a pretty well-known marketer. Uh, are you familiar with Andrew Chen? Yes. Uh, so we co-founded a company called Mighty Send with him. I literally emailed him six times uh, to try to get his attention. He met with me and we decided to build a company that was very similar to what Intercom is today. So a really, really easy way to plug in uh, a JavaScript widget that starts collecting your users that then lets you email them. We called it Mighty Send. We built a full product that was very easy to use, very easy to integrate, worked across many different technologies, but we started with building it instead of starting with marketing it. And that was a critical, critical mistake. Interesting. We didn't have the user base to really get us feedback and to really tell us what was necessary. The market was absolutely there. Look at how well Intercom has done over the last few years. We had a co-founder that was absolutely in the space to market the hell out of this. Andrew has a huge following in the space. But we made a critical mistake. We over-engineered it, and we undersold it, and we under-marketed it. And while that's not one single campaign, I think that's a critical lesson in product development and marketing and everything. Marketing is this like wonderfully efficient opportunity to really market test a product, to get a family of customers to really start asking the right questions and to start telling you when you're doing great, when you're doing something that's really not right. And we didn't have that. We were working inside of our own bubble, which even though we may have been making some of, some of the right decisions uh, for the product, we didn't really know that. We didn't have something to really keep putting a fire under our ass to keep going. So uh, how much money did you pour into the development of that? Hard to think about it in dollars perspective. I can tell you it was over 2,500 engineering hours. Wow. If you were a customer, hang on, I'm just going to pull up a quick count. He's going to do some calculations for us, folks. If I were to have hired this out on Turtle, how much would it have cost me? So if you were to go through an agency, it would have cost you between three hundred dollars and $500,000. With Turtle, if you were doing the management yourself, that would have been $125,000. It was it was a fair amount then. It was a fair amount. I mean, twenty five hundred hours of uh, twenty five hundred hours of human labor is one. That's a lot of cost from a dollar perspective, but two, like the most the most precious thing that we have in life is time, and it was a lot of time wasted. I mean, it yeah. was a, it was a critical. Well, it wasn't wasted. I'm sure you learned many valuable lessons. Many valuable lessons in terms of getting your rear end kids. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing first, uh, product development second, and really, really market testing. I mean. This transpired into Turtle. Like, it, there was one kind of fundamental issue with Mighty Send for me, and this, it's that marketing automation is not what I live and breathe. I am an engineer. I wasn't born in the US. I believe in great talent being available all over the world. 
Darwin Ops really fulfills that mission, and then Turtle really fulfills that mission. Um, but before even building Turtle, Venkat, my co-founder, and I, because of what happened with Mighty Send and the lesson learned there, we actually didn't build anything when we first started the company. We found uh-huh. a company to pay us to do a case study with them doing the exact same thing that Turtle does. So we found them engineers abroad. We put them onto Trello and other simple project management services. We were the project managers kind of running the backlogs and running the weekly scrum sessions. We did what Turtle ended up doing as a piece of software manually so that we didn't make the same mistakes with Mighty Send. Okay, and that critical mistake there is just everybody thinks that all you need to do is build that perfect product and find the right engineers to build that product. And this is going to sound ironic from somebody that is an owner and two development companies, more or less. Darwin Apps is an agency and then Turtle is an on-demand freelancer marketplace. I don't think that's what people should do. I think you really need to run your campaigns first and run your engineering second. I love it. Wow. Wow. Really excellent lessons, Vladimir. I really appreciate it. So I've Taking up all of your time today. So before I let you go, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Tell people again, like where to find you and anything you want us to know. Sure. I guess to the companies, to the marketing companies out there that are looking for an agency that they can trust on a continuous basis, Darwin Apps is very much so that agency. We work with a lot of high-end Fortune 500 companies. They pay us a minimum of 5000 per month. That gets them 40 hours of flexible engineering talent to do any kind of marketing engineering work, whether it's putting up a new website or landing page or plugging in with Marketo or HubSpot. The Darwin Apps team very much so specializes in anything and everything marketing engineering. So anything that a marketing team can dream up that traditionally they may have been bottlenecked because internal engineers want to work on the core product or simply don't want to work on something like HubSpot or Marketo or Salesforce, that's where Darwin Apps plugs in. Uh, It operates as an agency, uh, but by setting it up into that monthly flexible engineering model, I think we fulfill that passion that I first talked to you about where we incentivize both sides of the market, so both the agency and the customer, to optimize for efficiency because if we're not making customers happy in one month, they're not going to rebuy second month. This is very different than I have a website or an app project, give me the exact price for it, where the company is then incentivized to maximize out uh, to maximize out hours spent. Darwin is set up very differently in terms of if we're not being as efficient as possible with engineering hours customers aren't going to rehire. And then Turtle is for customers that want to do the management themselves, that want to very much so have engineers work as if they're part of their core team, but don't want to pay for the the downtime. So the price is much lower. It's 50 bucks an hour. You do the management yourself. You do the goal setting yourself. um, And you very much so are managing your own engineers, but Turtle takes care of vetting them and then setting up a management interface through our software that makes it really, really easy for both sides to work together. Love it. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Well, there you have it. Another awesome interview on the Traffic and Leads podcast, right? Yes. Vladimir was super awesome and he was great on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And you dare to dip your toe into the overseas contractor game. So it can be a little tricky, but like there's definitely some amazing talent utilizing those different websites. So hopefully you learned a little something. So before you go, you know what I'm going to ask you. If you learned something from the Traffic and Leads podcast or you enjoy listening to the Traffic and Leads podcast, tell a friend about it. Tell your chamber about it. Tell someone about it. Tweet about it. Like I could go on and on, right? And that would be really irritating and you would turn me off. So I will just stop there. But you could Facebook about it. Anyway. 
please do it. And if you really, really like it, you can go leave me in review out on iTunes. So until next time, this is One Click Lindsay with trafficandleads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. Mm-hmm.